Hello and welcome to Europe Now. In this series, we've been exploring the idea of levelling up, that's to say reducing inequalities across the European Union. And that is a hugely relevant question here in Guadeloupe. Believe it or not, this is actually European Union territory, although it's more than 6,000 kilometres away from metropolitan France. And yet, Guadeloupe is very much on the radar of the European Union. It's been designated one of the nine ultra-peripheral regions of the EU, or UPRs. And these UPRs benefit from special funding arrangements with the EU. So Guadeloupe is going to receive around a billion euros in EU funding over the next five years. The GDP per capita here is significantly lower than both the French and the EU averages. We'll be showing you many of these problems, but we'll also bring you the success stories here in this French overseas department. I'm just outside the port of Sainte-Rose with Charlie Vincent, who is a fisherman himself. Charlie Vincent, bonjour. Bonjour. Can you tell us about how your industry is doing in general. All our fishing is small scale. Our boats are less than 12 meters long. We have about 600 boats and 850 personnel, captains and sailors. We produce around 3,500 tons of fish in Guadeloupe. Charlie, let's talk about the chlordecone contamination scandal. This is a pesticide that was used for 20 years in Guadeloupe and the broader region. Uh, it was banned in America, but continued to be used here in Guadeloupe. It's obviously contaminated crops, rivers, the soil. It's led to some of the highest rates of prostate cancer in the world here in Guadeloupe. And it's affected your industry as well. Chlordecone has definitely had an impact, especially on the south of the Basse-Terre. We've lost around 100 businesses. We've had to adapt. The cost of a boat has gone up. We've been dealing with chlordecone for 14 years. So we've developed a certain resilience. We just deal with it, as we always do in Guadeloupe. What's your take on the, the visit by members of the European Parliament from last November? What was the result of that? interaction and do you sometimes feel that decisions are being taken by people far away who don't necessarily understand what's happening here? I'm not sure that EU policy is really tailored to our territory. All the ultra-peripheral regions have problems developing at the same pace as the central regions. What's more, fishing has a very bad image in the European Commission. And yet, small-scale fishing has its virtues. One hook, one fish. We don't use trawling. We don't do intensive fishing with drift nets. But in the EU, they have a low opinion of us, and our territories are so small that it's hard for us to show the value of what we're doing. In terms of getting young people into this profession, it's difficult because the average age, I gather, of a fisherman here is 49 years old. We lack the tools to train people. When you don't have those tools, it's hard to attract people into this profession. But what's good is that we now have a new generation of fishermen that likes to communicate and share information. So they will happily talk about their revenues, for example. So what's attractive to a young person is to know that he can make a slightly better living from fishing than from a job on land.
But it's also up to those who've been in the industry for a while to make sure that others can take over in the next five, ten years. Charlie Vincent, thank you so much for being my guest. Well, as we were saying there, getting young people into professions is a key issue here in Guadeloupe. Unemployment is actually high across the island. It's more than double the French average, and the situation is particularly difficult for young people, with a quarter of young people out of work. So what is Europe doing to turn back that tide? Our reporter Luke Brown takes a look. For much of the past century, the Saint-Jean-Bosco Association in Guadeloupe has been a beacon for local youth. Its programs help 16 to 29-year-olds get a foot on the employment ladder, a last-chance saloon for many. Now we're going to talk about your interpersonal social skills. Everyone okay with that? It's how you present yourself professionally. It's all about the first impression. More than one quarter of young Guadeloupians are categorized as not in training, education or employment, double the French average. We're going to fine-tune the cover letters so that the young people can leave equipped with a really credible document. You don't just head out like that. And if they do it all, well, they're sure to be accepted. Jean-Francois Théor is one former pupil. Aged 24, he's now found work in a local restaurant and has been able to rebuild his self-confidence. Instead of staying, doing nothing, at Saint-Jean-Bosco, they help you. There's really a feeling that they help you. We don't feel abandoned anymore. We're not... We're not on our own. The association helps 300 young people each year, providing classroom support as well as more hands-on experience. Two-thirds of its 5 million euro budget are financed by the EU. That's to provide opportunities closer to home, given that 3,500 young Guadeloupians leave the island each year. Our work helps young people imagine their future here in Guadeloupe, and we show them that there are opportunities to succeed here. These actions cannot alone solve this problem, but we can contribute to resolving it. In all, EU funds are worth almost a billion euros over seven years to Guadeloupe. Over half of that comes from the ERDF, including upgrading digital infrastructure, innovation and aiding small and medium enterprises. For Guadeloupe, faced with an ageing population, that aid is needed to build an economy that encourages young people to stay. One of the strategies of a programme today aims to encourage qualified individuals to return and ensure young people stay here by providing new jobs, new skills, so that they can stay and become a force for our island. Bio With You received 1.3 million euros to make biodegradable bottles. It uses bagasse, a non-plastic byproduct of sugarcane, which could one day be sourced in Guadeloupe. Its dozen employees will produce 7 million bottles a year, helping cut waste on the island. We're based in Guadeloupe. We provide jobs here with our factory. We also deal with local companies, so that helps the sector develop here in Guadeloupe. Unemployment in Guadeloupe stands at 17% of the workforce. That's over double the figure for mainland France. With a third of young people out of work, EU funds aim to reduce the size of the so-called invisible population on the island. One of Guadeloupe's best-known schools has a special visitor today, the head of the region, Ari Chalus. Hello. Hello. I'll see Sit you. down. 
What are you studying today? Geopolitics. What? Geopolitics. Geopolitics. The geopolitics of water is a big question on the territory of Guadeloupe. We can see that Guadeloupe does have the natural water resources it needs. There's enough rain. We're in a tropical zone. But unfortunately, these resources are not well used. So there are water shortages in Guadeloupe. So what's the problem with access to water? There's not enough investment in infrastructure. Yes, absolutely. And who are the main decision-makers in the management of water in Guadeloupe? The region. OK, and the European Union, which is involved right now. What is Guadeloupe's status in terms of the European policies? It's one of the ultra-peripheral regions. They have priority when it comes to EU funding. Can you think of any EU regional development funds? FEDER. Yes, exactly. Everyone knows FEDER in Guadeloupe. It helped to finance the school. I'm with the president of the Regional Council of Guadeloupe, Ari Chalus, who's been in this job since 2015. President Chalus, welcome to the program. Thank you for being my guest. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, tell me about this school, because it's obviously a crucial uh, construction project for you. It was very important for us to renovate this school, to protect it from earthquakes and cyclones, and to remove any risk from asbestos too. The school has more than 1,800 pupils. We wanted to make the classrooms more modern, to give these young people a better learning experience, but also to protect them from the dangers that I just mentioned. Could you tell us about the impact of European funds on this project and other major projects that you're involved with at the moment? We've used 20 million euros in EU funds for this school. There's also the technical school around the corner where renovations will start soon, and there'll be EU funds for that too. Since 2015, we've been pretty good at absorbing EU funds. For example, at the airport, we're using EU money to reinforce the runway and to modernise the airport in various ways. We're absorbing EU funding for our agriculture, for the green and digital transition. Uh, how come that this extra level of EU funding that you get as an ultra-peripheral region doesn't seem to translate into more jobs for young people? We're doing everything we can to train our young people. Don't forget that our economy is not that big. We're a small island of 447,000 inhabitants. So what we're doing today with the help of EU funds is putting in place training programs for our young people and helping to start new businesses. We talk a lot about a new economic model in which young people can create jobs for themselves. We're doing quite well in this regard. A lot of young people have set up their own businesses. But whether we like it or not, there'll always be young people who leave Guadeloupe to seek opportunities elsewhere that we don't have here. On the question of water, which obviously is a big issue here, Paris has obviously sent uh, technical expertise to help upgrade the system. Does that mean there's a lack of qualified personnel at the local level in Guadeloupe? Yes, that's part of the problem. There's a lack of qualified technical personnel. We can see that in other areas too. Not enough technicians in our town halls. We also don't have enough administrators at the highest level in Guadeloupe. But above all, we have a problem of finances. At some point, we fell behind metropolitan France on a lot of projects. Roads, transport, sanitation, water treatment plants. 
But now we're tackling these things seriously. We want to resolve them in the next five or six years. We don't still want to be talking about them in a few years from now. This comes back to the question of training people and training young people to have the right skills. Yes, indeed, training. But even more fundamental than training is for us to create the conditions to keep them here so that they don't leave. Thank you so much, Mr. President. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to discuss with you. Thank you so much. And as uh, President Chalus was saying, the water system needs major reforms. And of course, this network is so dilapidated that much of the water leaks before it ever reaches consumers. There is, of course, European investment to make upgrades. But how fast is that progressing? Luke Brown and Karina Chabour have this report. Saint-François in eastern Guadeloupe, one of 11 towns where four days a week Packs of bottled water are provided to residents. Madame, oui. you take two. What do you do? To compensate for the regular water cuts. They cut the water all the time. If you want to take a shower, you need bottled water. To cook food, you need bottled water. To be honest, it's a pain in the backside. The deliveries began after Hurricane Fiona last year, but the water shortages date back much longer. Today we provided for 462 households, 11 pallets, leaving whole communities reliant on handouts. It's a lot. Time to close now. Lights out. We'll restock for tomorrow. Bye-bye. One regular beneficiary is Rosie Bellamore. Faced with the shortages, she uses seawater to flush her toilets and has to schedule her housework around the supply in the taps. It's 10 past 8 now. And that's it, finished. Until? Until tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. To make matters worse, Rosie still receives regular water bills, almost 400 euros, even though the authorities admit half the island's water meters don't work and most bills a little more than guesswork. I'm in no hurry to pay. They stop the water when it suits them, they send the bills when they want. Me too, I'd like to pay when I want. And when it doesn't suit me, I don't want to pay. Across the island, dozens of consumer groups have formed to denounce the situation. Here, a Facebook group is gathered for its AGM. In February, they encouraged members to join legal proceedings, accusing the authorities of failing to fulfill the duty to supply adequate drinking water. If we were in mainland France, if this happened for three days, something would happen. It's totally unacceptable. But it happens here, and the authorities don't react. It's like we're second-class citizens. After five decades of poor infrastructure maintenance, as much as 60% of Guadeloupe's drinking water leaks from its pipes. The EU has already invested 70 million euros in renovating the dilapidated network, with another 80 million due from 2021 to 2027, installing wider pipes as well as more resilient infrastructure. Much of the blame lies with the dozens of municipal boards that used to be in charge of Guadeloupe's water that's only now being rectified. We have to learn from the errors of the past, by which I mean a large number of separate water boards that were too small to deal with major investment and water service providers that failed due to a lack of competence and couldn't deal with major projects. In 2021, the French authorities created a single entity to run Guadeloupe's water, and now Paris is imposing six technical assistants and a new director general to oversee progress. 
The new regime promising improvements by the end of the year, but admitting the task is vast. The network is in a very poor state. We need to do 80 million euros of maintenance work each year for 10 years. Guadeloupe hasn't done that in years. So even if they gave us 1 billion euros today, we wouldn't be able to carry out the work this year. Drinking water is only one part of the problem. 15 out of 17 of the island's water treatment plants don't work, many of them co-financed with EU money. In the meantime, much of the untreated waste is simply released into the Caribbean seas. Well, that brings us to the end of the first part of this programme devoted to Guadeloupe. I'll be back in a few minutes where we continue our journey through this archipelago. I'll see you just after the break.